the last couple weeks, um, we've been talking about this great God who uh, invites us into his family. And uh, it's, a, it's a God who doesn't put up, you know, walls, uh, but a God who opens his arms wide to us and brings us in. I mean, the truth is, we're, we're a group of people. If you look around the room, we're, we're, we're a bunch of mif- misfits, right, um, who don't have it all together, who are broken, who are hurt at times. We, we are people who celebrate different things in life, and, and we all have the same God who opens his arms and welcomes us home. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a little bit about this. Uh, two weeks ago, we, we talked about, um, I'm not going to go here today, I promise, but we talked a little bit about the election and how as a church, we're called to be set apart. And that, that word, that, that phrase that is set apart uh, in Scripture means uncommon. We're, we're called to be an uncommon people. So we, we do things differently as a community. We, we pursue Jesus differently as, as a community. We live our lives in this world um, as foreigners. This is, not our, this is not our final home. And we have to keep that in mind. And we have to keep in mind that uh, we, we live in a world that does not all recognize who God is. Uh, but, but Scripture promises us and it tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who Christ is, that, that he is the king of all kings, and that God holds all power in his hands. Last week, we, uh, we, we talked a little bit about our identity. And identity, when you're a community, identity is really important. Like, who are we? Uh, I remember uh, playing, playing ball in, in high school and, and in college, and, and those early days of practice solidifying who we were as a team was essentially important. It, it didn't matter all the different pieces, how good they were, if we weren't the same team working towards the same goal. Identity is, is vitally important. So we said this last week as a church that we are a community following Jesus. That's who we are. We're a community. We're a group of people. We're uh, a, a group of a lot of different people who come from different places, different ages, different backgrounds, but we are all on this journey together. We're imperfect. We don't get it all right, but we're, we're, we're pursuing Jesus. We're following Jesus. That's who we are. We are a community following Jesus. And I thought every now and then it's good, it's good just to say it. So can we say this together, that we're a community following Jesus? Can you say this with me? You ready? Here we go. We are a community following Jesus. Yeah, that's who we are. It's our identity. It, it sets us apart from the world. We are not a community who is simply... Uh, seeking after our own desires and our own wants. We're following Jesus, and Jesus is the one who laid down his life, who allowed himself to be beaten and torn and poured out for this entire world, and that's the kind of people we are learning to be. Uh, At the end of the service today, we're going to celebrate communion together, which is the simple reminder of what Jesus did for us, and it's a commitment. When we take communion, we commit to living the same kind of life, that I'm willing uh, to be broken, to to be poured out for people around me, to sacrifice my life um, for other people. So we're a community following Jesus. I love this passage that we looked at last week, and I'm going to keep talking about this passage. You'll hear it from time to time. It's actually on your card um, on the top of it. Um, You are no longer a stranger or an outsider. 
I, I want you to hear that, like God's speaking to you directly. You're no longer a stranger. You're no longer an outsider. You belong here. You belong here. And uh, we've been using this phrase, I've been using this phrase all week, welcome home. Hey, welcome home. It feels good to hear that from people. Uh, I've been hearing that for the last couple months uh, when we returned uh, from the lost lands of Oklahoma City. <laughs> people continue just to say, welcome home, and it feels so good. So I started using that phrase. I grabbed it from you, and I've been saying it to everybody. Uh, we were out at Trunk or Treat, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 people, and I just kept saying to them, welcome home. And they had no idea what I was talking about. They were like, I don't know what you're talking about. But okay, thanks. You know, you're not a stranger. You're, you're welcome here. And then on, um, on Monday night, I went trick-or-treating with the kids. Well, I didn't get dressed up and ask people for candy. But I took the kids tr trick-or-treating, and we were in Joe's no neighborhood. And uh, we, we walked by this house, and the garage door was up. It was dark in the garage, but there was a, an older couple sitting there inside the garage. And it was like the kids were scared to go to the house. I was a little scared to go to the house. And they went up and they handed them candy. And I went up and I, I introduced myself and I, I said, my, my name's Matt. And um, you guys, your garage is spotless. It was. It was unbelievable. I said, you need to come to my house and organize my garage for me. I would love that. And I was just trying to strike up a conversation. And uh, the older gentleman, it took him a couple minutes, but he stood up and he reached out his hand and he shook my hand. And I could tell by his accent that he wasn't from here. And I said, where, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Germany. And I said, really? I've never been there. I'd love to go. And he said, oh, be sure you go to the <laughs> east side. That's the beautiful Germany. And then he told me, he said, when I was 17, I was, uh, I was entered into the German SS. He said, do you know what the German SS is? And I said, yes. And I started to back up. Uh, and he said, on my 18th birthday, the war ended and I was a POW. And I didn't know this, but um, in the U.S., POWs from Germany lived for another year, a year and a half after the war had ended. And he was a, he was a POW. And um, he said, I was here and then I went home and my wife and I decided in 1962 to move here. We moved here in 1962, and he said, now this is home. And I said, welcome home. <laughs> and he said, do you live around here? And I said, no, I don't. I wish I did, because I'd love to hear his stories. And she looked at me, and she said, he forgets a lot. <laughs> and she said, but this is good. <laughs> welcome home. Yeah, this is just a glimpse of the God who opens his arms wide and says, welcome home to each one of us. I love that about our God. Welcome home. Well, this morning, I want to just look at a, a passage of Scripture over the next couple minutes that doesn't just talk about our identity as a church, that we're a community following Jesus, but it talks about what we do as a church. What are the things that we do? Now, this is, this is for us corporately, but it's also for you individually. If you call this your church home, this is for you. Now, the earliest word that we have for church is ekklesia. Can you say ekklesia? Ekklesia. It's a Greek word, and it, it, it meant kind of a gathering of people, but not how we normally think about it. Um, it. It meant a gathering of people that was moving. And so if you think about a, a, a gathering of people um, that just gathers together like on a Sunday morning and then is done, that's not the kind of gathering 
the church was talking about. That's not the, the kind of people that Jesus was talking about. The, the ecclesia, the true church, was a, a gathering of people that was moving, that was doing something together. And in uh, the book of Acts, we have our very first picture of, of, of the organized church and what they did together. And there's a couple interesting words that um, I've, I've highlighted because I think these are interesting words. Um, the first one is, is that um, they devoted themselves to certain things. And the second one is this concept of being together. So I want to read through this and give us, this is just a little history lesson um, from the Bible, the book of Acts, on what the first church did. Here's what it said. All the believers, all the followers of Jesus, devoted themselves. That meant they committed themselves, not just in mind, but in life. They committed themselves, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to life together. And what does that mean, life together? Now, this better get some amens. To sharing in meals. Amen. I mean, we like to eat, right? Potluck dinners. My church from my past, we did potlucks. Um, I'm not so hot on potlucks anymore because of all the germs that they spread. But eating together, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm a foodie. I love food. So uh, life together meant sharing in meals and specifically the Lord's Supper. And the, the idea in, in Acts is that uh, the people of God almost did communion every time they got together that they remembered the sacrifice of Jesus. And so when they took a piece of bread off the table and they broke it and they handed it to each other, they, they remembered that Jesus was broken for them. And so I would challenge us, every meal that we sit down, you know how in, in some families the tradition is to say a prayer, a blessing before you eat? To not just say, God, thank you for this food, but God, as we break this bread or as I cut into this, whatever it is, I remember Jesus who was broken for me. Isn't that an interesting way of thinking about eating together? And as I drink this, if it's water or wine or juice or Coke, or if you're from Alabama, sweet tea like me, I mean, whatever you drink, that I remember that Jesus, he poured his blood out for me. That's what the kind of the, the meal was together and to prayer. They committed themselves to prayer, which is a good thing. And it says that a deep sense of awe came over them. And the apostles, those early apostles, uh, they perform many miraculous signs and wonders. Now, all the believers, they, they met together in one place and they shared everything that they had. So we get this glimpse that they often got together in one place, not every day probably in, in, in the same place, it probably moved from place to place, but they were together and they shared everything. And it says that they sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with whoever was in need. Now, there are people in this church who are so incredibly generous that when they see a need, they are willing to do whatever it takes to meet that need. And that's what the, the early church did. Some of you in this room could stand up and say, that's been done for me over the last few years in this body of believers, that when I needed something, someone was willing to sacrifice so that I could have my needs met. Well, that's what the church is a place that shares everything so that everyone's needs are met. They worshiped together at the temple. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So they got together every day and they worshiped. 
In other words, they, they turned their hearts and their minds back toward God and remembered the things that were most important. They ate food together with joy. Have you, have you ever had a meal and you sat around the table and it was the most depressing setting you've ever been in? You couldn't wait until you were done? Right, let me rephrase this. Have you ever been a teenager at home around a table with your parents and you couldn't wait until you could leave the table? That's not the church setting that we, we get this picture. That, that when you get together, there is great joy and generosity, and there is happiness that just spills over. Stories are told around the table. I, I think, and, and I've said this before, that everything changes around the table. You get around the table with other people, and you start sharing your heart. You, 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 you start sharing your, your pain. You start sharing your joy. Well, that's the picture that we have is that these people, they got together and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity and they praised God. Now catch this, and enjoying the goodwill of who? All the people. Now, if, if, you, if you look at, the, at the, the passage in its original setting, you, you, you ask yourself the question, is it talking about they enjoyed the goodwill of all those who had gathered together for this purpose? And the answer is no, that's not, that's not what it's talking about. It's actually talking about the people who saw what they were doing. So the people who were not believers, the people who were on the outside, they saw what was going on within this community, and they believed it was good. They enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. And I I've, I've said this from time to time, that, that I believe when the church is actually being the church, we don't have to talk too much about what we believe. People just want to be a part of it. They just want into that kind of life. And I think this is how Jesus imagined that the world would change, is just when the church is the church. You just do what you do, and people want to be a part. And then it says this, and each day, each day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, in my mind, I, I, I'm starting to, to rephrase that to each day, the Lord added to their number those who were being welcomed home, saved, saved from what? Destruction, their own ways, the, the selfishness of this world. They were, they were being saved unto a new way of life. They were being welcomed home into a new family. Now, this was the earliest church. And years ago, when we were talking about McDowell and, and, and maybe what God was calling us to be and what he was calling us to do, there were certain phrases that jumped out. And I just want to talk about these phrases and then talk about how do we live these out individually? What do we do with this? So here's the first one. And you've probably heard this one, that we gather the people. We're a community following Jesus. And one of the ways that, that we do that, one of the things that we do is we gather the people together. Look around. We've gathered today, right? We've gathered the people together. This means that we are an invitational kind of community. We welcome people in. We invite them alongside the journey. And so, personally, and as individuals, if this is our church home, if we consider this our church home, we must be an invitational people, a people who are welcoming others at work, in our neighborhood, in our hobbies, we, we invite them in the journey. Jesus, when he walked the earth, he often used this phrase, follow me, come follow me. The, the earliest disciples, when they would tell people about Jesus, you know what they would say? They would say, come and see. 
Come and see. I can't explain it. Just come and see. Come experience it for yourself. And it wasn't just about worship services like this. It was like in their homes. Invite them in to your life. Well, I think as an invitational community, we are a people who are always inviting people in. Come and see. Come to the family table. In college, there were always uh, kids or uh, athletes who couldn't go home for Thanksgiving. And it always meant so much when someone said, hey, come, come, come and join my family. You've got a home with me. And my family's crazy, and you probably won't want to be there very long, but come and see. Come and see their craziness. This is invitational, like, come on in. Well, that's what the church is. We're not, the church is not intended to be a place with, with, with bouncers. Not yet. Go get your act cleaned up. Wear this. Come back when you fill in the blank. Now, the church is to be a, a, an open door. Come and see. Come and see. Open for anyone who honestly wants to pursue Jesus and pursue faith in God. That's what the church is. Uh, so we said, we're going to gather the people together. We're going to be a gathering kind of invitational community. The second thing is um, we want to turn our hearts and our minds toward God. We want to reframe the world around who God is. So as much as we can in every setting, we want to turn hearts and minds toward God, which means we must be intentional about our conversations, the way we talk to each other. We, we must be intentional when we're talking to people in the world who aren't believers. We invite them in, but then we also pay attention to the language that we use when we talk about who God is. A few years ago, I heard Andy Stanley talking. He's one of my favorite pastors. Um, some of you can't stand him. Um, send me an email, um, joe at mcdowell.church, and let me know. Um, but one of the things that Andy uh, challenged people to, and this has been huge for me, is he challenged people to listen for the three knots in conversations. The three knots in conversations. Uh, it's not going well. I was not expecting that, and I'm not from here. Those are like three open doors to a very intentional conversation. When you hear someone, when you say, hey, how's it going? It's not going well. Okay, I'll pray for you. <laughs> no, 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 it's not going well. Oh, why is it not going well? Is there anything I could do you know, to help? Like it, it becomes an open door to a very intentional conversation. I was not expecting that. Another open door to a conversation, like when my wife called me and said, hey, you need to know I'm pregnant. And I said, I was not expecting that. <laughs> it opens the door to conversation. I'm not from here. When you ask somebody, hey, could you recommend a restaurant? We're going out on a date. Oh, I'm not from here. Oh, really? Where are you from? Well, what brought you here? Well, how long have you lived here? And then you get into these conversations about being American POWs and German SS and these crazy, awesome conversations that then allow you maybe to point them toward God. Look, uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale, this area, Fountain Hills, one of the most uh, biblically unaware communities in the entire nation, one of the most unchurched cities in the entire nation. And I don't think that it's people are opposed to God. I just think they're unaware. And so our conversations help wake people up to the reality that God is here. He's not out there somewhere. He's actually here. He's with us. He loves us, and he has hope for us. So we're going to gather the people. 
We're going to turn hearts and minds toward God. We're going to love people with no strings attached. Now, some of you love this phrase, right? No strings attached. We're going to love people with no strings attached. What does that mean? It means we're sacrificial in the way that we live. Like, we're willing to love other people even if they don't love us in return, right? We're willing to give even if we receive nothing in return. That's what it means to be sacrificial. We're, we're willing to love even the people who don't believe like we believe and not worry about the rest. We love with no strings attached, which means we're sacrificial. See, we're invitational. Come and see. We're intentional in our conversations. We're listening for open doors to point people toward God. And then we're sacrificial. Hey, we're going to love you regardless of what you do in return. And then we're going to multiply our impact beyond these walls. We're not going to allow church to be defined by the walls of a building. We're not going to allow church to be defined by a Sunday morning experience for an hour. Church is going to be something that's multiplied beyond this place. And to do that, we must be generous with all that we have, all that we've been given. Now, when I use the word generous, um, automatically, for some of us, our minds goes toward money, and that's part of it. We want to be generous with our finances and what God's blessed us with. It's why uh, 10% of everything that comes into this church, we, we, are, we, we give it away, just off the top. We join with others, so we want to be generous. But, but it's not just talking about money. Gener- generosity isn't just about money. It's, it's being generous with God's grace. It's being generous with God's hope. It's being generous with God's love in every arena that we find ourselves in. I think we would all agree that our country would be in a better place if Christians would just be more loving and graceful and patient and kind and joyful, right? If we just were the church, if we were who we were supposed to be, I think our country would be transformed. And I think that was God's ideal for the church, to be his people, to live differently, to be generous with all that he's given us. I think we all, from time to time, have been a recipient of something that we didn't deserve. Well, I hope we're a people who dispense the things that other people don't deserve, realizing how much we've received, this grace upon grace that we've received, being willing to be people who pass graces off to others more than they ever deserve. So who are we? We're, we're, we're a community. We're together. We're devoted to certain things. We're a community following Jesus. And what are we devoted to? To gathering the people. To, to gathering God's people together. To, to turning hearts and minds toward God. We're going to be an invitational people who are very intentional about our conversations so that people will know God and follow and love God. And then we're, we're going to love people Everyone we come in contact with, with no strings attached, which means we have to be sacrificial in the ways that we live. And, and we're going to multiply what's happening here. We're going to multiply what's happening here, not be defined by these walls, this new building, all of this. We're going to multiply what's happening here as much as possible in every arena of our lives. That's God's plan for changing the world. It's us. It's the church And I'm so glad I get to be a part of it, aren't you? Aren't you glad you get to be a part of God's mission in this world? That's what we're called to be. Now, yeah, now, today, to to kind of wrap up our time together, we want to remember. 
We want to remember what God's done for us. It's what the early church did. It's, it's what churches have been doing for a couple thousand years. We want to remember that, that Jesus, he willingly gave up his life. He was broken for us. And that he poured out his blood to the point of death. But we don't just remember when we take communion. We commit ourselves to that same thing. We, we remember what Jesus did, but we commit ourselves to living in similar ways, to being invitational like Jesus was, to be intentional like Jesus was to be sacrificial and to be generous with all things. Now, um, as a church, we, uh, we, we open this time, this time of communion, to, to anyone who's a, who's a follower of Jesus. You, you don't need to be a member of this church because we're all in the same family. I was talking to somebody yesterday um, at a football game, uh, and... and they were talking about another church and something that was going on there. And I think they felt weird talking around me because I'm a pastor. And they're like being quiet because it's not this church. And I was like, hey, we're all on the same team. And they looked at me and they're like, we are on the same team. And I said, welcome home. <laughs> we're all on the same team. We're doing the same thing. Right? So if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to the table today. And today as, as we take communion, uh, the elements will be passed. And I'm going to ask you just to hold on to them. And we're going to sing this song, and it's, it's this beautiful song that says this, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. It's the resurrected king, Jesus, that we celebrate, and that, that Jesus is resurrecting us to live like he did. So as we sing, the elements will be passed. If you're going to take them, just hold on to them, and then I'll come up and we'll take these together, and then we'll celebrate at the end before we leave. Father God, you are a good God. And in these moments, uh, we celebrate. We're so thankful that you've opened your arms wide to us, that you've welcomed us home. And we remember today what Jesus did. That though he was God, he didn't consider his equality something to hold on to and grasp onto, but he willingly humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient to death on a cross so that we might have life. And God, as we remember this, the act of Jesus, we remember his resurrection. God, we pray that you would resurrect us to do the same exact thing, to give our lives so that other people might have life. God, may we be generous with your love and your grace. May it pour out of us with joy. And as a church, may we enjoy the goodwill of all the people who interact with us. God, may our focus on Christ in these moments be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name.